Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Father, we just thank you for your presence this morning, that you are with us, or that you sent us the Holy Spirit, and your word says that he would reveal all truth to us. Christ died on the cross, Lord, and was raised again in three days to set us free. Father, I pray and believe this morning that just as we were worshiping, Father, there were uh, children set free. There were young people set free. There were adults and grandparents and mothers and fathers set free in the name of Jesus that chains fell off as we worshiped. the Son sets free is free indeed in the name of Jesus Christ. What are we saying that and asked and prayed that you would open the eyes of our heart. Lord, I pray that our eyes would be open, Lord, that our hearts would be open this morning to receive your word. Lord, John 1, 1 said the word uh, in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh the Word was with God and the Word was God. And Jesus Christ was that living Word that came to set us free. And the Holy Spirit's within us this morning proclaiming that truth, the truth of your Word, the truth of Jesus Christ. And this morning, anyone who receives that Word will be eternally set free and alive in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, all glory, all honor, all praise to you and you alone. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We are so glad that you're with us this morning. Everybody navigated the time change, apparently. We definitely had some people in the first service that were like, we're awake, we're ready, we might as well go to church. Well, this morning... uh, we're going to be looking at uh, a message, um, and it's, it's the temple of God from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, it's a single message that I'll be preaching this morning. It's not a new series, and next week's message will be a single message, but they really are going to tie together, um, even though they aren't a series. But as we look at, at the temple of God, uh, we're going to look at what it was, what it is, and what it will be in the future. The temple would be the place that God dwelled. But if you know the story of creation and and the account that God has given us of how things began in Genesis, then you know that in the beginning there was no temple. After God created Adam and Eve, He dwelled with them. He interacted with them directly. In Genesis 1.28, God spoke directly to Adam and Eve, face to face, telling them to be fruitful and to multiply and put them as stewards over all of His creation. We don't know how long that uh, perfect environment lasted. The Bible doesn't give us a time frame, but we do know that it ended. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, through eight, after Satan had tempted, tempted Eve with the fruit of the tree that God had told them not to eat, we read that she, speaking of Eve, took of its fruit and ate. 
And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So Satan had lied to Eve. He actually told her that they could be like God. They would know good and evil. And the only reason that God had told them not to eat of that tree is he didn't want them to be like him. He was holding something back from them. But in that instant, they weren't celebrating their newfound knowledge. They weren't celebrating their equality with God. They were hiding in shame. They were ashamed that they were naked. And they had made clothes out of fig leaves to separate themselves from God that He wouldn't see them. And then in Genesis 3:21 through 24 we read that the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. And then the Lord God said, "Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowledge of good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So God made them clothes out of animal skins. This was the first sacrifice. An animal had to die, had to give its life, had to shed its blood to cover their skin, to cover their sin and make atonement uh, for what they had done. Now, not only were they separated from God by their clothes, they were separated from Him relationally. He had sent them out of the garden and even put the highest angels, the cherubim, in place with a flaming sword to not allow them back into the Garden of Eden so they wouldn't uh, eat again of the Tree of Life. God had promised that they would die in the day that they ate it. It wasn't an instant death. But prior to that, they would have never died. But because of that, they also brought death into the world. From this point until Exodus, man's only interaction with God was in making sacrifices to him to atone for their sins. It wouldn't be until after the Exodus, after the people of Israel were taken out of Egypt and on their way to the promised land that we would see the first temple. If you have your Bible or your app with you, you can go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 33. And we'll get there in just one moment. One of the key things that we need to see here is that the only reason for a temple or a tabernacle, as it was first called, was because we had been separated from God. And we had to keep that separation in place. God could no longer dwell in our presence. For Him to dwell with us after we had sinned, there had to be something, a a, a veil of separation. Whether it was Adam and Eve's clothes in the beginning or the tabernacle and temple, we had to have a point of separation between us and God. Look at Exodus 33, verse 7. It says, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. 
And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside of the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So Moses would go to the tent of meeting and meet with God. But we know from earlier in Exodus that he was not able to, it it mentions face to face, but that's more of the conversation that took place. There was the veil of the tent between he and the cloud that was on the outside. He heard the voice of God, but he did not see God. God had told him earlier in Exodus that if you see me, you will die. And he, he um, put him in a cleft of a rock, and it says that he put his hand over that and passed his back over that cleft. And when Moses came down from that encounter, he came down literally glowing, radiating from the, from the presence of, of God's hand and back. But he says, you cannot encounter my face. You cannot be in my presence without a separation or you will die. And eventually God would instruct Moses and the people of Israel to build the tabernacle. We see this in Exodus 39, 32 and 43. After it had been finished, it says, thus all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting was finished. And the people of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So they did. And Moses saw all the work, and behold, they had done it as the Lord had commanded. So had they done it. Then Moses blessed them. The tabernacle was much more elaborate. It's chapter after chapter after chapter uh, that God defines and described what the temple was supposed to be like. And it says that they followed everything exactly as the Lord had commanded. So that the tent of meeting was the first place that Moses went to meet with God. And now the priests would meet with God in the tabernacle. The word tabernacle means to dwell or dwelling place. So literally what the tent of meeting and what the tabernacle was, was the place that God would dwell. Exodus 40 verse 33 says, So when Moses finished the work, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. When they had finished all the work, God took up residence in the tabernacle, in His dwelling place on earth. Both the tabernacle and the tent of meeting were a form of separation between us and God because of our sin. And what we see in the Old Testament and throughout Exodus is that both the tent of meeting and the tabernacle were mobile. When it was time to move God's presence, that cloud, it says that God was uh, physically demonstrating himself in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And when it was time for them to move, He would lift up his presence and they would pack all their things up and then he would move and they would follow him until his presence stopped. He would then they would put it all down and settle and his presence would come back into the dwelling place. And so it was was a mobile place, a mobile dwelling place of God. And what I love about that is it's 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 a picture 
of the life that we're called to live in Jesus Christ. They didn't do anything. And we, Jesus Christ was that perfect example. It says in the New Testament that everything that Jesus did, He did according to what He saw the Father doing. And everything that He said was according to what the Father was saying. And in the Old Testament, in this picture of what was to come, they didn't move unless God moved. When His presence stayed, they stayed. And when it was time to move, He got ready to move and they said, it's time to move. God is picking up camp. He's moving, so we must follow His presence. Eventually, the children of Israel received the promised land that God had promised them, so they settled down. And David, King David, wanted to build God a temple, a stationary temple, but God told him, you've shed too much blood. Your your, uh, kingdom has been one of war. I don't want someone who's uh, just been a king of war to build my temple. And so he said, your son Solomon will build that temple. So David uh, spent many years just gathering all of the stuff that he would need to build the temple and provided all of the provision to Solomon so that he would be able to build God's temple, God's dwelling place. And we find this in 1 Kings 7.51. It says, thus, all the work that King Solomon did on the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in the things that David, his father, had dedicated, the silver, the gold and the vessels and stored them in the treasuries of the house of the Lord. In 1 Kings 8, 4 through 11, we see the temple being completed and God's presence filling this new permanent dwelling place. And they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tent of meeting and all the holy vessels that were in that tent. The priests and the Levites brought them up and the King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who had assembled before him were with him before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and oxen that they could not be counted or numbered. Then the priests brought the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house, uh, uh, in the most holy place underneath the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread out their wings over the place of the ark, so that the cherubim overshadowed the ark and its poles. And the poles were so long that the ends of the poles were seen from the holy place before the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from the outside. And they are there to this day. Verse 9, there was nothing in the ark except the two tablets of stone that Moses put there at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. And when the priests came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Solomon had built the temple that God called them to, the house of the Lord, and God would dwell in the Holy of Holies. And until that moment, until he, he uh, brought his presence into the house, you know, they were putting it together. They were putting all the pieces where they were supposed to go, and they were going in and out of that place. But when his presence came, it says they couldn't stand even to be in the presence. They, they fell on their faces outside of the Holy of Holies. And only one person, the high priest, could go into that place one time a year when they were offering the sacrifices for the people's sins. Because that was the place that God dwelled. So when God's people were on the move, God moved along with them in a tent. And when they, God settled them in Israel, He took up residence in a physical temple that would no longer move. After Solomon had consecrated the temple, God made a promise. 
He said that if they were to abandon his statutes and commands and served other gods and bowed in worship to them, his presence would leave. He didn't say he would be there forever. He said, I'll be here as long as you follow me. And we find this in Second Chronicles 7.20. It says, Then I will uproot Israel from the soil that I gave them, and this temple that I have sanctified for my name I will banish from my presence. I will make it an object of scorn and ridicule among all the peoples. And we know that Israel would reject God, and God would bring judgment on them. The temple is destroyed, and the presence of God left. The presence of God left actually years before it was destroyed. And there's a prophecy in Ezekiel 10 that said this would all happen. They build the temple again. When Jesus uh, was born and, and grew up and went to Jerusalem, you know, we read about him going to the temple. And the temple had been rebuilt. But the Bible never indicates that God's presence returned to dwell in the temple again. He never said he was dwelling in that second temple like he did in the first or in the tent of meeting or in the tabernacle. So when Jesus came to earth, God was no longer dwelling in the temple. The first thing that we see in the New Testament is God no longer dwells in a physical temple. He had not dwelled there for a long time. His dwelling was now within Jesus Christ. Jesus was the new temple. And we'll look at a couple of passages that make this very clear. First in John 1.14, speaking of Jesus Christ, we read, And the Word... And this Word is the one that I prayed earlier out of John 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. This Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God's dwelling place was Jesus Christ in the flesh. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. In John 2, Jesus said that He would destroy the temple and raise it again in three days. The people were like, He's crazy. He's out of His mind. And their response was, it took us 46 years to build this temple. And you're telling us that you're going to rebuild it in three days. It was an impossible feat. But we see how it would be possible in John 2.21 because it says he was speaking about the temple of his body. The dwelling place of God. He was saying, I am the temple. I am the dwelling place of God. And he was telling them in advance that he would be crucified, that he would be dead for three days and he would rise again. God lived within him and everywhere he went, the people encountered God. In John 14, Philip told Jesus, he said, if you would just show us the Father, it would be enough. They had lived with Jesus for years at this point. And over and over and over, Jesus said, and one occasion was like, how long do I have to put up with you guys? How long will I show you and you not get it? And Philip makes this blatantly evident at this moment. He says, Father, if you would just, Jesus, if you would just show us the Father, then that would be enough. And Jesus' response is, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. 
I'm the temple of God. I am the dwelling place of God. You have encountered Him every moment that you have encountered Me. Once again, God had taken up residence in a moving temple. But this temple was His Son, Jesus Christ. And we know that Jesus would die on the cross for our sins and we know that He would be resurrected from the dead on the third day. And we know that He sent us the Holy Spirit to be our helper and to live in us. But something greater happened at that moment. Jesus removed the separation. He removed the separation that's existed between us and the Father since the moment that Adam and Eve committed that first sin. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil in that new temple was torn from top to bottom to symbolically say there's no more separation between you and me any longer. And an even greater miracle had occurred in that moment, in that moment of Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection. Jesus Christ transferred the temple of God, the dwelling place of God, from Himself to us. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and the Spirit of God dwells in you? John 14.23, straight from Jesus Himself, He says, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him. And we, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, will come to him and make our home with him. If you believe in me and keep my word, we will make our dwelling place in you. Jesus Christ transferred that mobile temple to the body of Christ. That's what the body, Christ, the body of Christ is. The temple, the dwelling place for God on earth to everyone who has received Him. In those two verses, we see that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will dwell in us if we love and accept Jesus Christ and His Word. We become the temple, the dwelling place of God. Once again, the dwelling place of God, the temple, is on the move. It's not stationary in one house, in one place in the entire world. It's literally everywhere that someone has believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we take Him with us wherever we go and in everything that we do we have the opportunity to lift up the name of Jesus Christ so that everyone that we encounter might have the opportunity to receive Him as well and also become part of the dwelling place of God. And as good as this is, and this is good news, the word gospel means good news, and this is fantastic news that we can receive God into our life and Him dwell in us, but that's not the end. It even gets better. Turn to Revelation chapter 21, 1 through 4, if you have your Bible. 
here the Apostle John's receiving a revelation from God. And starting in verse 1 of, verse, of chapter 21, it says, this is John writing in his revelation, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Now jump to verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. John saw a new heaven and a new earth coming down out of heaven. He saw a new city of Jerusalem coming out of heaven. But something was missing. There was no temple. There was no new temple coming down out of heaven because God, the Lord God Almighty, and the Lamb would be their temple because they would dwell with us once again just like, they're, just like He dwelled with Adam and Eve in the beginning. There will no longer be any separation between us and God. We long for that day, but for now we continue to live in the age of the last temple. The people of God on earth. Those that have God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit dwelling within them are the final temple. And He'll continue to reside in this temple until He wraps up everything in the end. Today, there doesn't have to be a separation between us and God. He ripped that veil in two the moment that Jesus Christ died on the cross. Said there was an earthquake and at that moment, the moment that He released His Spirit, that veil was torn. From that moment on, we don't have to be separated. We can have that relationship with Him again. He can dwell in us, and there's absolutely no separation between someone who has received Jesus Christ as their Savior and believed on Him and loves Him and follows His Word, as Jesus said. He dwells in us with no separation. Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will just open the door, I'll come in and eat with him. And He with me. And we read earlier in the New Testament that Jesus said, if you'll open the door, I'll come in. He said, we will dwell with them. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit will dwell within us. But we have to open the door. 
We have to let Him in. If we do, there will never be separation between us and God again. He will be with us from the moment we receive Him to the moment we shed this earthly body. And at that moment, we will be with Him in heaven where there will be no separation again because He is the temple of God in His presence, in His wholeness, in His fullness. But in the meantime, Paul said we carry around this glory in earthen vessels. We're carrying around God within us. And we're the only ones that can take Him to the lost, to those who don't know Him. This scripture won't be on the screen, but I wanted to share one more passage before we close. It's in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20. It says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. If you were bought with a price, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. We're not our own. We never were. Satan's lie in the very beginning to Adam and Eve was that they could be like God. They could chart their own path. They could do what they want to do. And this scripture, it goes against everything that we're taught in our culture. We're taught that we can do, you know, my way. It's my way or the highway. <laughs> you know? I want to do what I want to do. I want to do it when I want to do it. I want to do it how I want to do it. We put ourselves on the throne that was never meant for us, that was never ours. God has said, it's mine. I created you. Everything in the earth and all that's in it belongs to me. We have a freedom of our will, but really the only thing we get to choose with that freedom is who we're going to serve. Jesus Christ said, you're either going to serve the enemy or you're going to serve the Father. There's nothing in between. We have the freedom to choose to be a servant of God. And in that scripture he says and reminds us again, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. I came to sacrifice myself to make a way for you to have an eternal relationship with me. And we know in the very end in Revelation, it also says that in the end, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So in the end, nobody's going to have a choice. But in that point, it's too late. If you hadn't submitted your life and chosen to follow Him in this earth, in this time, all you're doing is acknowledging the truth because every soul, Satan himself, every demon will acknowledge the truth in the end that Jesus Christ is Lord. But we have the freedom to submit to that today, to admit that my life is not my own, that I've been bought with a price, that if I receive that and believe that, God Himself will dwell within me and will be with me from now through all eternity. What freedom, what choice, what other option could be better than that? Why would we choose anything else? He wants to dwell within you. 
If you've never accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, all you have to do in uh, Acts, it says that they heard the Word and believed. If you are hearing the Word of God this morning, if you are hearing this truth this morning, and the Holy Spirit is bringing it alive, and you believe it, then you are saved. In that moment, in that instant, you become the dwelling place of God. And He will never leave you, never forsake you from now until all eternity, without end, He will be with you. Will you bow your head with me as we close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank You. We thank You for Your Word, the Word that came to dwell in flesh, to be with us. Father, more so, we thank You that He was willing to sacrifice Himself, to give His life, to give His temple, to die And that you would resurrect him, Father, to make a way for every single person that would believe to become a temple, a dwelling place for you. Lord, you say that in that moment you take us from death to life. From that moment Adam and Eve sinned, we were all born in death in Jesus Christ and become your dwelling place. You raise us up from the dead to be alive again, to serve you and to follow you. And then we have the freedom to acknowledge that we are not your own. We have been bought with a price and we belong to you and we will follow you. Father, I just pray, Lord, not just for this body, not just for Lampasas or our nation, but for the world, for the body of Christ, Lord, that you are on the move. You are dwelling in temples, in bodies, in the body of Christ, in every nation, in every city, in every uh, locality throughout the world, and you are on the move. You are at work. There is hope. Your word is going to be fulfilled. Every last word that you have spoken will be fulfilled. Father, I just pray that this part of your body, that we would know you, that we would hear your voice, that we would respond to you, and that everywhere that we go, we would remember that we're carrying around your Holy Spirit, your Son, and even you yourself, because you have made your dwelling place with us. Thank you. Thank you. Will you stand with us as we close?
like that vision of each of us being a temple. And where we go, where we move, there's a cloud that goes with us. There's a light that shines out of us. And if God the Father is in you, it's helpful, it's healing, it's encouraging. If there's another God inside your temple, you still got a cloud going with you like pig pen. And people see it coming. And you got friends, you know them, you see them coming, you see that cloud. You don't want to be under that cloud. You'll move away from them. You can exchange what's in you for a new light, for a new cloud. Thank you, Pastor. That was a beautiful picture. And, and I just want to encourage you all, you take a light with you, it goes with you. That temple leaves here. It's not just inside this building. It goes with you, and you bring that light with you wherever you go. Holy Spirit, thank you that we are your temple. And Father God, I love it that you want to come talk to me as a friend face to face. You don't want to be my overlord. You want to be my friend and my savior. So I love you for that picture. Thank you, God, that as we go out of here today, we'll take your light that people will see us coming and they'll see your light shining out of us because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me give you a few quick announcements before y'all slide out and go try to get a seat at the lunch table. Today is the last day for donations for the food drive for the Lampasas Mission. Today. Please have them in here by the end of the, end, end of the uh, service today. If you've got something out in your car, bring it in real quick. Common Grounds. Every Friday we have coffee from 7 to 10 and great snacks. Meet with somebody else in the community you don't know. Come join fellowship with them. It's a good time to meet and greet with your neighbors. 7 to 10 on Friday mornings over at Common Grounds, the building on the other side of the West Building. Y'all know where that is. All right. If you know somebody in the 6th grade to 12th grade that needs to connect with somebody else in the community, if they're new here or they just don't know anybody, youth tonight in NCC West, it starts at 430. Go over there, meet somebody, and they'll, they'll be a great influence on you. There's a lot of light in that building as well. Uh, this Wednesday, November 10th at 6.30 p.m. in that same house, Common Grounds, our marriage ministry called This is having a potluck dinner. Bring your favorite holiday dish or try out a new one on us. We'll eat it. We love everything. We eat whatever. And then lastly, uh, Saturday, November 13th, 8 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall, men's breakfast. It's not a work day. So just come and eat and enjoy fellowship, and we're going to have a great speaker. All right? Thank you all. All this is available on the website. If you need more information, go to newcovenantlandpasses.com. You'll have a great day. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 